0: Well, good morning. If you are have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 1. We'll start there and jump right in. It is so good. Let's just start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the worship already, bringing our hearts alive. Thank you for the words of encouragement. Thank you for gathering together in this place, here in this place, and online as those who are tuned in with their hearts. And we pray you do things that we can't do. Change hearts, fill our lives with the wonder and truth of you. Let your kingdom reality be the reality we live in. It is greater, truer, more finite, more powerful, more infinite than the very room we live in, sit in, the chairs we're sitting in. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Like you mean it. Amen, Amen. all right. (laughs) All right, let's begin with uh, Acts chapter 1. Very familiar scripture, and I want to launch from there and share with you. So, Father, we just bless this. All right, so verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Oh, what a great line. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. What a, what a banner over our lives. How powerful is that? Come on. Okay, guys, I know we're just a week out from Easter, and last week Jesus resurrected, and it already feels like a month ago, doesn't it? And it's like the world is crumbled, crushed, and brought into life. It's like, oh, oh. You know, I know we felt a little pushback the other day when we were gathering together, didn't we? And we're like, Whoa hey, you know, you can feel things like that in the spirit. But what I'm going to share with you is something I feel that's happening in the body of Christ, not just here, but I think worldwide. I do think it's like I had the right to say that, but I'm going to assume that, right? Because I believe God is speaking in us. But the kingdom of God and the church is emerging. I'm not talking about the emerging church, like the new church. I'm talking about the early church. And there's some great parallels between then and now that we feel is very real and very powerful. So, you know, a precursor to uh, to this is at post-Jesus' resurrection over the next 40s and 50 days, he appeared in, like behind closed doors, doors that were locked, appeared. Come on, right? Have you read this in the Gospels? Treat yourself. Go read the Gospels like John 21. Go read the end of Matthew. Go read the end of Mark. Go read all the stuff. where He just walked through doors. He, the stone rolled away. A great barrier moved away, not just for Jesus, but for us. Charles did a great job saying that last week. But everywhere, he appeared on the road to Emmaus and then when he broke, but he vanished, like, so what? Is this like Jesus being a funny tag, comedy routine? No. It's showing him that the barriers or the obstacles that were in front of the church are no longer there as we stay in concert with him. Is that right? And so in your own life, how does this apply? Well, the things that have held you back, Inside, on the inside of your life, the inner life that you have, the barriers, the inhibitions, the things that are weighing you down and dragging, are going to be can be removed. And that, as a corporate group where you work or where as we gather together, the church knows no bounds. In fact, the more it's tried to be restricted, the stronger it will become. We have seen that in this last year. No lies, no evangelizing this, elasticing this, is that actually in this last year, I sat down and told you at the end of last year, all the miracles and breakthroughs that we've had in a year that was most restricted year in church has been the least restricted spiritually. That people return to a faith, they've returned to what's important, they've had an explosion of love. Has there been difficulties? Sure, but much more, much more open your eyes and your heart that the kingdom of God is flooding us these days. And if we, in the, in the sense of acknowledging that, lean into it, we, we don't know what God could do, but we know it'll be amazing. And so your hopes and dreams individually and the callings on your life are in this same boat as well as all those around you and all that we gather with every week. It's going to flow and God's going to do some things that are f- supernatural. So when, you know, we know when the... When the, when the when the disciples gathered, he appeared right before closed doors. He appeared and then he appeared again for Thomas. Put your hands in, in, my, in my scars, touch me. He appeared on the shore with Peter restoring him. There just wasn't any place he couldn't be and couldn't go. It's crazy. So that's speaking to us, and he, if we look between the lines and use your imagination, which I do, he's actually training an amazing special ops team to go after God and not forget these realities, not these fantasies these realities. Now, how do you know that, John? Because I have been born again in a, an amazing wave of God in the 70s that knew no bounds. That the crustiest, ugliest, meanest person got saved. That the most party animal who was the most successful didn't think about God got saved that we were chasing them down on college campuses. We didn't know anymore that to pray for them at our prayer meetings at 10 o'clock at night and ask God, give them this, get them to be saved, lifting up their names before the Lord. And then within weeks, finding opportunities and amazing synchronetic moments where we could share the gospel with them and people getting saved. And we were fresh saved our lives. So it was like alive, like, hey, hey, you have no idea. I'm a knucklehead too. You can do this. <laughs> like I was a wreck and now like I have hope. You know what I mean? But men and women willing to share, not cover or protect or pretend to be real, pretend to be perfect, but be real and honest and saying, God. And we didn't, we didn't fuss about our backgrounds. We actually celebrated whether you're Catholic, whether you're Methodist, whether you're Mennonite, whether you're this. We like brought all the good that came with us out of those things and not all the, oh, they were so mean to me. Oh, really? What was it was not about that? I was like, wow, I'm so glad the course that brought me here, the steps that brought me here, I celebrate those things. What was yours like? Oh, it was like this. Like, well, that's amazing. Like, well, this is what we did. That we share all that stuff. And then the people who didn't know Jesus, the people who never met him, that were hedonistic, they were getting saved and they were freer than us who got saved from our own backgrounds. <laughs> I might have hurt your feelings in on that one. Right, Brian? It was crazy. We would just put their name up almost like on a board and just start crossing them off. It was crazy. We literally saw, I was at Dickinson College, went from 15 little bookworm guys, to 125 people all over the campus and fraternities, sororities, and it was crazy. Uh, down in Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon Pitt, went to 400 strong, unstoppable. Doctors and lawyers and guys who were going on to the major teaching and the major classes still got saved and took their influence into where they were. Penn State, over 400 strong people preaching on the streets and kids getting saved on the streets. Just sharing their heart. They didn't have their doctors in love. They had their, their hope in, in God can change my life. And they're unashamed to share it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. But this church, man, we are at the same, saw it in the 90s, didn't we? The Toronto Blessing, Toronto Blessing. We looked at it like, like, I don't know. Because people are manifesting all kinds of things, right? Is this, are you guys okay? You remember this? You know, people are in the back. I was in a meeting, it was 400 people, totally silent. Brian and I sat beside each other with Maurice Crane. The guy in front of me made this steer sound. Uh, Like, And I went ballistic. I was like, I could fall like, "Ah!" I couldn't crawl under the chair, sweat through my clothes. It was crazy. What do you mean? Well, in the middle of that, I got set free. I got set free from performance, set free from all kinds of stuff, but God was just doing the weirdest, craziest, amazing things. Out of that Toronto, gosh, you remember this, Josh? Such tremendous intimacy, like you'd lead these crazy meetings with all these crazy manifestations, but You couldn't wait to go spend personal time with the Lord. And it didn't leave you. It left you like that permanently, forever. And the fact that you believe not only God could do things, but God was doing things. A huge, uh, what do you call that thing? Paradigm change, you know? It's a difference in faith when you know God is moving than when you hope he could move. It's wonderful. And the confidence, like, okay, I'm going to stretch my hand out. We are doing all kinds of crazy things for those years. We are taking risk and praying for things, assuming stuff and making mistakes. Oh no, we made a faith mistake. That's so terrible, really. Or we made a love mistake, or reached out too far, assume. But that was—these are great things to make mistakes on. But so many times we got hits. We got a double. We got a triple. We got a single. We got a—we got a home run. We got a grand slam. Come on, this emerging church—the feeling was just so. Amazing! Each time these waves came through us, and and it was so broad, so widespread, so didn't have to be although wonderful in church services, but beyond that, in restaurants, and workplaces, and cubby holes at work, that God was moving and touching. It's almost like you were a special ops group secretly speaking the word of God to people's lives, and they're coming alive. Crusty old grouchy people who drank all night and cheated all day. Come on, people, let's talk about the world, okay? God's truth just piercing their hearts, man, and changing them. It was such a wonderful part of our lives, you know? So this week we're praying about this, and you know, I just thinking in history, just how amazing these movements of God were. And you know, I'm just thinking, you know, we just like last weekend was Easter, but it was also the 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 anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King. God, I wish a person like that could still be in our lives. You know what I mean? Speaking truth and turning the uh, men's lives in the right direction, even though the right, the way you can do things can be wrong. And he was so good about saying not only what's right, but how we do things like that. God, that these people would be among us again today. I read this. The other thing that happened this week, and, and it's just my history issues, so it's not the word of God or... The, the the scriptures, but the last battle of the Civil War was this week, past week, before the Appomattox surrender. It was in a place called Sailor's Creek and Sailor's Little Creek, and there are two things as I read about it that almost like the Holy Spirit brought up into my heart, and I'm going to submit them to you. And but as they summarized the battle, it said this: it said the the army of the North was able to keep pace and actually grow in strength compared to the Confederate army. So able to keep pace of like, like wow. That's an interesting word. You know, and I think the body of Christ is able to keep pace with the principalities and powers of darkness, which Charles mentioned. We're not fighting in men and flesh and blood. There's men who want to do the right things on all sides. But it's the principality that buys into. We're going to fight against those principalities that categorize and divide and, and, has a, and suppress men, like so. But he, the army of the North is able to keep pace and grow in strength. Then the second thing they're able to do is they're able to, to exploit the rough terrain to their advantage. In other words, what normally would have been blockages or inhibitions to them, they were able to take advantage of and navigate through them quickly in order to suppress the army. So great. Third thing, which I didn't get to the last month's thing, was they're able to overcome the enemy at critical junctures, bridges and places of, of convergence. Convergence, Yadira. Good word that she had this past week. Are you thinking, so here my submission to you is my thought to you is, this could be happening in the body of Christ. It's not my teaching today, but it's, it's an earmark. Like, could we outpace? Sometimes we think the world is this great, powerful system that suppresses us. But the kingdom of God is growing like never before. Like never before. And that's not just how we need in our organization, but it's the heart-to-heart evangelism freeing of our lives that God is on a march to men's lives. And he's going to fill the earth with his glory, whether you join in or not. And I sure want to join in. But honest to God, he's going to fill the earth with his glory. No, no, mag, no bones about it. It's going to happen. So can, you can either jump in the river or not. And I want to be a part of that. But that flood that's happening in this opportunity, it's, I'm telling you, as our staff, we are talking about it. These barriers, as we lean into him, can be vanished, but it's going to take some concentration. It's going to take some leaning in that you don't take offense at injustice that's happening to you or or some injury that's happening to you that you learn to navigate around that rough terrain, keeping your eyes on the Lord, not holding against people, not looking to get evil or have reciprocity against them, but saying, God, there must be something because they're holding on to their life so tight, they're strangling themselves and trying to kill everybody around them. And so I am now you have compassion, even if it's directing at you, and they're trying to scratch your eyes out. But you're like, no, I was like that. and still parts of me are like that, so I, I see past that. That's navigating the rough terrain. How many know this is true? So. But it takes some rethinking, and it takes like not taking offense, even though you may be right. It's you may be right. Is that the most important thing? That's a good question to ask. Or is there something more at stake on the other side of this? Come on, man, you see a church move like this individually, then collectively, then we're gonna learn to love well. We learn to love well, the whole world will come to our door. Your door, my door. All right. Anyway, so three things I felt were very important. I said all this to say that, said all that to say this. Three things I think that were really earmarked in the the church, and let's begin it. In chapter 2, switch over just a couple of pages in Acts. Now, I'm saying this because it is when Acts happens 40 or 50 days later, which we're in that in-between season, which I think is such a fantastic season. In fact, I thought it was very powerful last year as we walked up to um, the Pentecost Sunday because we were closed for those 12 weeks. Do Anybody remember that? And so here was a certain amount of grace that happened that we're able to... Uh, capture what was happening actually here in our hearts. And people are encouraged, as they watch, and some of you online right now are watching, that, that there's no distance there. It was such a powerful time. And then by prayer and by by burden, righteous burden, we felt God lead us to open up on Pentecost Sunday. It wasn't a little check mark of, we think we're that cool. It was by, because we really believed that we needed to be together. Like we are running out of grace, and men's lives were hang, handing We're hanging in the balance. So I'll get there about that. So in this, it says in verse 37, chapter two, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I hope that's written over my life for a huge portion of my life, that I'm cut to the heart. So what it's saying is that there's this beautiful and powerful and magnificent response to the truth of God and it was a response that was earmarked with repentance and conviction and willingness. Repentance and conviction and willingness to follow God. A humbling of our pride, a humbling of our I'm okay and realizing, and I'm not trying to push this, push this on this like a oppressive. but in the presence of God, like we just were in this morning, the reality of who God is and his kingdom is overlaid on our world that we live in and you realize he's the truth is what happens. And in that, there's a reality in your own soul like God, you are so good. It's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance and repentance, make no mistake about it, is a massive gift that's given to you. Conviction first, like oh, I, I, maybe that's wrong. Not just what I said, but how I said it. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking about this stuff and spending over my time in this, obsessing or, or, or be driven in this way. It's all the little little turns in our heart and life that, that, are, that God touches and the Holy Spirit puts his finger on, sometimes in a great encountering way, but sometimes in the smallest of way. Trying to save you from a bad crash, Okay save you from a falling away, save you from a less than yourself situation. And so conviction and repentance are massive gifts that are given to the body of Christ. So you step in here on a Sunday morning and the presence of God falls on you, the goodness, and you realize, God, I just could do better. I, I, you know, not in a performance way, but in a love way. Yeah. Like, God, sorry for that, sorry. Then you reach over church your wife saying, sorry, I was such a jerk this morning. Sorry yesterday, you know, did, that only happens to me. I know you guys are all staying from that, but you know what I mean? But isn't that the way we live our lives? I'm sorry for the way I've been thinking about my boss. Because all these little things save us from judgments that, are, that grip our lives, and then and you can't get a good filter because all of it comes through that judgment, and then you can't see that person for who they are. Well, this is, I'm, not, I'm messing with you now. This is a condition of your soul. Because the bitterness or offense or bitterness or offense step in and you entertain it, you entertain it because it feels good. It's kind of true. Oh, no, oh, it's true. It's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start getting in like that, that person's like, then you categorize and you push them into, you run this judgment on them, and then they can't see ever who they are. It becomes sealed. But the end, the Holy Spirit steps in and says, It's not like that. It's not like that. And you can, you can start listening to him. And then, then you're facing something. He can bring you all of a sudden to a bigger place like, God. Like even in this thing we're facing, it's H.R. 5, I pray to God it doesn't come through. But even in a world that everything is legal, everything is gripped against the enemy, I see that God is greater than, because what's in here will always trump what's out there. It will always, always, read not by, not by a law or a rule, but as a way of life. This is the way it is. The lower I go, the stronger I'll, that God will rise through me. Now I'm starting to navigate that rough terrain. This is real stuff in your real life. Our little, little lives, it happens, okay? And it happens in a big way. But imagine a whole culture that's following this. When a whole culture is bended toward God or submitted toward God, that in our lives we, we listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We, we turn toward that. We're tender toward him. It doesn't mean we're weak. It just means we're tender to him. Then as we find his truth, then we stand up in that powerful truth. That great love, that great hope, that great kindness, that great forgiveness. Can you imagine how powerful forgiveness is in, in the body of Christ? People don't know. Many of us are sitting here today with unforgiveness toward others. And it's so, it's so prison-oriented to you. You're bound then in that old place. If you could just forgive them and really go to God and forgive you, forgiveness is massively powerful. Yes, you were right. Yes, it was an injustice. Yes, it wasn't fair. This is life. This is why he gave us this, to overcome those things. God, that won't stop you. Just you think that's going to stop you from your destiny? Come on. God can break around those things, and he'll still, if keeping your eyes on him, you can still reach your destiny. Fact, you'll be stronger, less movable, because you know, no matter what objects come against you, you can overcome them. So now you're becoming stalwart in God's love, unchanged, transfixed. I mean, not what is that? Is that a right word? Transfixed? I don't know. So, so in this, it becomes simple. God, I'm going to stay in love. If there's recompense, it's going to be from you. If there's, if there's, uh, how do you call it when you make it up to somebody? Reconciliation, but just another word, like when you, restitution, thanks, Erin, oh yes, restitution, so. she knows these things, <laughs> she does, that's up to God, up to God, okay, so you get in this picture of this church, is like, man, these people just caught this wonderful response, this church's birth, I believe that even during those 40 and 50 days, this was, can I say it this way, germinating, festering, in, in every good way among these This remnant that Jesus had spent with, he'd be in with them, out with them, teaching them. And so their hearts are becoming more and more fixed on him and less and less on, and they're stepping away from the world system as it's less this control. Because Charles said it so well the the other week the Roman government didn't change once Jesus got resurrected. Nothing changed in the whole world system, but the whole cosmic system shifted. And then righteousness became a power that was unstoppable as men tapped into it. As men gave the hearts to this man, Jesus seeing now he's greater than just one man in the Holy Spirit, he's becoming greater. Blessed is you, Thomas, because you see and believe, but blessed are those who never see and believe. So God now is exponentially moving in men's lives. It's just unstoppable. And these people, when they get together, it's crazy happy. Now they're seeing and receiving each other like they've never seen and received each other, actually celebrating one another rather than categorizing, oh, I'll be the best, I'll be the greatest in the kingdom, I'll be the greatest. Remember they're doing this right before he got crucified? They're like so far from that now. They see much more is at stake. The kingdom, the love of God, ruling in men's hearts, transitioning them from small places to huge places, activating their callings and their lives to be who they're called to be wherever he places them. They are all in, man, and their hearts begin with a, with a repentance and a conviction. Where's the last time you were convicted? Where's the last time you repented? And if you missed it, what a gift that you missed that you that you had and go back for that. Cry out for God for it. God, make my heart tender. One of the things I've thought about this past week is, in sin, there's no there's no managing it, or 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 entertaining it. We get in our lives, we get so much information so what's going on and these little subtle things slip into our life but the only answer coming off of last week and just want to say, the only way to deal with sin is to kill it. It's to murder it on a cross. You understand? I don't want to be religious when I say it but you have to be ruthless with, if you know and you know the issues that you're dealing with, you got to put them there and say, God, I'd, I'd much rather do this. It is so tempting and so enjoyable but it's killing me. So we're going to put it on the cross and we're going to kill it. I'm going to hate it and kill it. I'm going to let that conviction take its full, full measure in my heart. And I'm going to welcome that softening, repentant spirit that you've gifted me with. And God, we're going to kill this sin. I'm not going to entertain it anymore. I'm going to be ruthless with it. <laughs> Look at your faces. But this is the deal, man. You've got to be ruthless with sin. Come on. You've had this, you know the cycle. If, you're, if you've had these sin cycles, all of us do. It's like, put it there and deal with it. But what you think is becoming a restriction, that discipline becomes a freedom in your life. It's like a freedom. The more you buy into what God says, okay, God, the stronger it gets. Like, wow, I feel better. Wow, I'm freer, man. I can love that person better. Even though they're whacking at me, I can still love them. I'm not holding against them. Okay, yeah, I'm, and all of a sudden, you become stronger. It's like an athlete who, I was saying in first service, the basketball guy who shoots the 10,000 baskets in practice. He, he works for that discipline to get that perfect form when he steps on that field. He's freer, or she, than anybody else in that room to shoot that basket. Yep. Yes, John, that is so true. Glad you said that. I know that's true for me, too. Yeah. So the more we, we hone our, our and trust God with the disciplines of our heart, the tone, the direction, the, what we set our hearts on, the more freer than we are to love those around us without being set off course. Come on. Covenant is about priority and choosing and contracts about you screwed up the contracts so we're out. It's tit for tat in contract, but covenant says, no matter what comes at me, I'm not letting go of the end, the end goal here. And I'm gonna love you along the way. Does that have a huge difference in the kingdom of God and how we live than the world lives? World lives and says, you offended me, I'm out. I can't take it anymore. You're going to be around this mountain for 10,000 times if you're a Christian until you can take it. I'm just going to say that. that I don't mean to be a smart aleck about that, but, oh, my gosh. All right. So, all right, the second thing. Oh, there you go. That's a Christian. So, conviction. Okay, second one is the number four, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and signs and wonders were done. This is such a great thing, the fear came on every soul. It's just this cowering thing, but, no, the... The first part is this gift of conviction and repentance, which in a body, and a culture, just makes such a a freeing and receiving of one another. But the choosing then of God and his ways, elevating his ways intentionally is our our great answer back to God. Because like I said, we're a people that live by covenant, so we choose our principles and values and learn to live by them. And by learning that it's like a husband chooses a wife, or wife chooses a husband. I'm choosing you. Will there be temptations? Could there be infatuations down the line? Will there be an opportunity to let go? Yes, but I'm choosing you. No matter what comes after, I promise that you will be first place. I promise to, to find you. I promise to move toward you the rest of my life. And no matter what, you're moving toward that person. And so you're learning then how to love consistently. One another. Into that, a family is born children. We'll love them no matter what failures. It's gonna be free to fail. We're gonna learn to let them be themselves. But in this, we're learning to love well. Does this make sense? By setting those values. By this is the very beginning. They chose that God is holy, that this is the truth and the answer. And I will live my life by it. And the breath of God comes into them and reminding that, giving them conviction. And so they stay the course on the principles they've chosen. I will love. I will forgive I will I will value you God. I will spend time with you can, making sure my heart is moving toward you. Not denying the world or becoming some type of weird Kool-Aid drinking group, but a person that takes everything to God and says, "God, tell me about this. You're the master of the world. You created things. You know men's hearts. You you have rolled up your sleeves and come into my life, so I'm going to engage with you." And so every part of your life is set like, God, this, I want your honesty. I want your purity. I want the, the principles I live by, giving generosity, joy to live inside of my life in every application of my life, in my marriage, in my friendships, in my workplace, even if other ones around me don't do that. Does it matter? No, it hurts. I'll take the hit. You're my source, God. No one else is. Not fairness. You are. Love overcomes. I watched you do that, Jesus. I watched you didn't hold Peter and, and judge him. I, didn't, I watched you not kill Paul, right? Because he could have, right? I watched you save them in spite of themselves. So now we're agents of the same Christ-like Christian ones. But every step in this direction, you're like more free from yourself. It's like you're happier as you're loving them. It's stunningly brilliant, stunningly, isn't it? These things we hold true like thought, it's almost like our, our, our independence. What's that called, the thing of independence? Declaration. <laughs> 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 it's like they almost got it, but they're, it's a foundation was what was going on in their lives. <laughs> like, this thing of independence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I'm so embarrassed as a historian. Anyway, so. We, hold, we put those things. But each person, each, of course, collectively, the, the freeing of Christ, the cross is true to all of us. But individually, when we follow it, that, that Chris follows it different than Brian, follows it different than Josh. The principle is the same, but the calling and the journey is different. Yet, because we're all going, it's the same. But, but each of us have to answer that personally in our hearts. But when we do, gosh when we earnestly do and you have a season that is grace-filled and God is moving on a generation or multiple generation of people at a time, then you get to be a part of this amazing flood of harvest that you see the wonder of other men's lives being saved by God. And the less we have that hinders us or judgmentally holds us, the more we see the wonder of someone getting saved we would never dream of getting, finding the love of God then if you play any part in it, oh my gosh, it's like, like, it's holy and resurrecting, I can't say. Man, but it's right there. But we're too busy, but it's right there. Let's lean into it this year. So the gift of repentance, the gift of response. Secondly, this reverence, choose, choose how to live. We know enough about his love. Set it out there and follow it. Wrestle through it. Fail and succeed, and succeed, and succeed. Lastly, verse 44. Now all who believed were together, back in chapter two of Acts, had all things in common, sold their possessions, and goods and divided them among them, and anyone who need had, who had need. So continued today in one accord in the temple, they broke bread from house to house, ate food with simplicity of heart. What, what a beautiful statement and summary of the body of Christ. I hope it forever continues. I don't care if we have spaceships between our house and we're able to go before or translate a little, I don't care what vehicle, we find time to connect with each other. What happens is this is a beautiful reinforcement and an encouraging of the values that we're all carrying individually yet together. Collectively, there's this immediate encouragement that happens. There's immediate uh, application of, of the love we're walking out individually. Now we get to walk it out with each other pulling down the strongholds of judgments, receiving one another heart to heart, the more diverse, the better, the better overcoming, the stronger the the feel and the culture over the house or any group that's gathering together in diversity, learning to overcome those differences between each other, then anybody walking into that group can feel the culture of acceptance. Do you understand the words I just said to you? It makes a difference, the little choices you make, the little things you let go of, the little judgments, the little stuff. So the bigger part and you get free from yourself, but then you create a culture that people walk in and they feel like, whoa, I don't understand this thing, but I just feel so loved and accepted here. Wow. Now, baby, we're talking, seriously. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. Now we're being like Christ. Now we're being the church. Now we're loving well. There's such reinforcement. What is this all roll down to? Righteousness. Right standing first between us and God, then right standing with each other. Taking no prisoners in this, we're doing it. Do you understand? Actually, you gotta tell yourself. I'm gonna learn to love that person, especially if they're annoying me, okay? And especially, because that puts them like bonga, bonga, bonga right in front of your face, okay? <laughs> How do I know this? Because I have my doctors are failing at this, and then some succeeding too. You understand? Know we all do this. Because we're so driven. We want to do the right thing, but it's just as much the right way that we do the right thing. We'll speak to people about our lives. And there is congruency in this, we can do this. We can do this. You can do this. Come on. You think you're sitting there this morning by accident? You are so wrong. Absolutely on purpose. So now, man, we move into Galatians 5. We're not entangled. We start that first part. We, our response is, I'm not buying into that. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not going to the world system. The one: do don't be entangled. Galatians one. Is it up there? Whatever, you can put it up there. Hey, there, stand fast there for the liberty of which Christ has made you free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Wow, that is, was that a little too slow for you? (laughs) (laughs) You think these words are just kind of made up? They're like, they're pulmonating out of this guy's heart when he's writing it. Come on. Why? Because he knows this is the truth. And you go to Galatians 5, 14. How do we navigate the rough terrain? This is relationship. Love thy neighbor as thyself. In this, then the whole world, then the whole spirit of law, whatever it's all going through, right? Remember, it was love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Paul says, I think it all comes together with love your neighbor as yourself. That's a tall order, babe. I have tough enough time getting along with Brian. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> You're awesome, Joe. It's understandable, he says. Okay, so. I'm teasing you, man. Seriously, how we getting this? Okay, now we're navigating, and then come on, gosh. Then you get into Galatians 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Man, this is the power to judo move against the enemy. Where there's hate, there's love, man. Where there's fear, there's love. Where there's, you know, where there's, you know, all that self holding on to. There's self control now, which is a lot different. Constrained by love, following the Lord, listening to little nuances of the Holy Spirit speak to us, and enjoying the ride along the way. Enjoying it. Enjoying it. Stand up. Simplicity of heart. I love that phrase at the end of verse 46. They continued in simplicity of heart. This is not complicated. I did not say it was easy. I just said it's not complicated. Big difference. Man. Come on. Let's overcome this stuff inside of us. Let's get free. Jesus paid an an amazing price not to obligate us, but to be the first to set show us it can be done. And then he, because of his great love for us, you know, is how we respond to that. that's what they are doing, selling their homes, selling their stuff, not of becoming a system, but because there's genuine love among them, and there's need, and so that love compelled them to do something on an individual basis, but became summarized here. Do you see that? All of this is individual but also together. But as we gather together in this house, it's a holy thing. We're talking about this last part of the day in relationship that we've come through this year and realized that the gathering together of the body of Christ is a very holy, powerful thing. And I don't think we'll ever not do that. But That gathering, I mean, for those online too, it's the same. We're gathering together here in one holy moment, in one time. and It's about eternity. It's about the kingdom. It's about staying in touch. It's about encountering God that it is highly valuable. The church has power. Scriptures say in Timothy, it's the pillar and ground of truth. It's not the building, although we get to have some really cool buildings, lights and sound. That's awesome. But it's the gathering together of us. If it's not within us, as we gather, wrestling through how to love one another and it, finding ways to do that, then we're not the church. We're just another event gathering. But when the truth of God, which is tangible and real and finite, yet infinite at the same time, how is that? I don't know, but it is. Then it comes into our lives and among us, individually and severally. And wow, what can be withheld? And then if we have the whole world at our feet, we'll choose to do the right things with them. We'll choose to love. We'll choose to humble ourselves. We'll choose to roll up our sleeves and get beside them, just like Jesus did for us. Then we won't be compromised or sifted. Are you willing to cross a line with me in your heart? Can I pray that? God, let us not miss this season and opportunity. Let's emerge as a church that's real. In our lives, right where you are. Pray with me, come on. Heavenly Father. Father. It's just no one like you. You're infinite in your understanding. You're the creator of all, you're brilliant. You made all things. You've created our lives and you know men better than we know ourselves. We have witnessed your supernatural power. We have been the recipients recipients of your love, unconditional, and you have changed our lives. We cry out for the courage to step across the line in response, accepting your conviction, embracing repentance, humbling our lives. Step across the line Reverence, revering you. This is not a game. You're the truth, the way and the life you are. Step across the line in relationship. We know we're not good at this, but you can overcome our lack. We can learn to love. We can live in righteousness. And we can share it with others. We cry out, let your love come to bear in our hearts, the rule of your love in our hearts. Let it come to bear in every part of our lives that we reach out and touch. Our marriages, our families, our friendships, our workplaces, our communities. One step at a time, one day at a time, we pray. Thank you for today. Breathe you in and we love you love you back. Love you back. Agree with that prayer? Say amen. amen. All right.